Hello and welcome to the latest Three Lions podcast. This is episode 16. My name is Russell Osborne and like a lone striker following Ryan Power's deadline day transfer, for the time being, I'm out on my own. The plan going forward is to still talk all things England. We'll look back over the past month for all Three Lions news and we'll look towards, hopefully, a very exciting summer. We have a few more features thrown in for good measure. And depending on how this episode pans out, we may try and make the podcast a bit more regular, but on a shorter basis for you. We are the only England-dedicated podcast, so thank you for joining us. Let's kick off with the latest news. So it appeared to be a bit of a mixed bag on the news front this month, but we're going to start in Germany, where Adimola Luckman became the first Englishman to score in the Bundesliga since Owen Hargreaves in 2005. He scored on his debut for LB Leipzig, getting the only goal. He moved on deadline day from Everton in a loan deal and joins fellow England player Jaden Sancho, who's getting regular game time for Borussia Dortmund, and Reese Oxford has broken through for the first team at Borussia Mönchengladbach. He's on loan from West Ham. Of course, Adimola was part of the Under-20 World Cup team that bought the trophy home from South Korea last year. You've probably heard this one, but sad news for Hull City's Ryan Mason, who following a head injury sustained last year, has retired from the game. That head injury was actually a fractured skull. Ryan, who began his career at Tottenham, then moved to Hull, was advised by neurologists and neurosurgeons on the decision. Ryan, of course, made his one and only England appearance in the one-all draw in Italy in 2015, setting up Andrus Townsend for the equalising goal. Now, the Algarve tournament kicked off for England's under-17s on the 9th of February. Didn't get off to the best start as Steve Cooper's side lost 4-0 to the hosts, Portugal. They played again on the 11th, and drew one all with Germany, Bobby Duncan getting the England goal before Germany drew level. And three days later, we faced Holland, coming away with a 2-0 win. Goals coming from the Arsenal duo, Javier Amici and Tyrese John-Jules. This all ahead of this summer's European Under-17 Championship Finals to be held here in England. And that's something I'm sure we'll cover nearer the time. England's blind team have been in action facing Germany ahead of the World Grand Prix in Japan next month, which is scheduled for the 18th and 25th of March. Against the Germans, England ran out 2-0 winners. Honorary mention must go to Daniel English, who chalked up his 100th cap. Of course, in any sport to represent your country is an achievement, but to do it 100 times... Huge congratulations. You can actually find a picture of Dan with his 100 shirt on his Twitter page. You can find that at DanEnglishGB5. Something that may have passed unnoticed was the fact that the FA have signed a partnership agreement with the Qatari FA. The FA chairman, Greg Clark, said it was a knowledge-sharing deal, which includes ideas on football development, grassroots football, youth development, women's football, player performance and management, and administration. Now there's also talk of friendly games, which brings to mind the phrase meaningless friendly. 
and the latest FIFA rankings were released on the 15th of February. England dropped to 16th, whereas Qatar are ranked 103rd. Now, I can't see any benefit for either side in a potential clash there, at any level. England women are third, yet the Qatari women have been inactive for more than 18 months, so they don't even have a ranking. The FA appear to have changed their stance on the Gulf state country. Back in 2015, you may remember the then FA chief, Greg Dyke, said it was the worst moment in FIFA's history in awarding the tournament to the region. Now, I don't think there's actually anything wrong with collaborating with other associations for ideas and inspiration. In fact, I think, or I seem to remember, England teamed up with Germany at some stage. But let's not forget, this is a nation who, in building the stadiums for the 2022 tournament, used migrant workers, well documented it is, of whom many of thousands lost their lives. And those that are still working are being paid a pittance and living in squalid conditions. I really can't see what this partnership can bring to the table, other than pound notes and whatever the Qatari currency is, and cynically, a possible future vote for a World Cup. On the women's front, after his appointment last month, Phil Neville has picked his first squad for the annual She Believes Cup, taking place in America at the start of March. The Lionesses play three times, taking on France on the 1st of March, Germany on the 4th and America on the 7th. On the squad front, no real major surprises, although Chelsea's Anita Asante and Everton's Gabby George are uncapped and in the squad. Alongside Phil will be Mo Marley in a temporary position, whom it would appear to maybe she doesn't know what she wants to do, because last month she ruled herself out of the uh, the main job and was just concentrating on the under 20s I believe it was and now she finds herself over in America alongside Phil Neville and also alongside Casey Stoney as an assistant who announced her retirement from playing in February and finally have FIFA taken your money yet I know they've hit my bank balance towards the end of February payments have been taken for those that have been successful in applying for tickets for the summer's world cup a lot of bank balances will have taken a huge hit, and fingers crossed, hopefully all worth it though. With no senior matches being played this month, probably the biggest news was the release of the new England home and away shirts unveiled by Nike. Yep, that's right. After three senior outings, the blue away shirt that was first used a year ago in Dortmund has been confined to the wardrobe. So we have a new home shirt. Whilst I haven't seen it in the flesh, I think it's released early March time, it is standard white. We've lost the greyish sleeves that were a bugbear for many, and we've also reverted to blue shorts and the red socks have gone too. The away shirt has reverted to red a colour that we're more accustomed to seeing England playing in away from home. So it's a red shirt, white shorts and red socks. Although I can't help thinking this one looks very similar to the 2014-15 effort as worn against Estonia, Slovenia and San Marino, if you can cast your mind back that far. And here to cast his eye over with them with me, I'd like to welcome football shirt connoisseur 
author of the two marvellous True Colours kit books and contributor to the recent ITV Get Shirty document, it's John Devlin. Hello there, John. Hello, Russell. Hi, how are you? I'm not too bad, thank you. Now, did I, did I miss anything out there? Well, yeah, kind of. You said the oh. two True Colours books, but of course there's a third one oh. coming out in May this year. Oh, <laughs> and I'm not on here. To, I'm not on here to plug it, so don't get me wrong. But I tell you what, hold on to that thought. Let's speak about that at the end. Okay, sorry. Okay. No, no, that's that's great. That's one of the things I thought. Let's let's keep our fingers crossed and hope that there may be something else in the pipeline. Okay. <laughs> well, let's let's crack on. The well, the football shirt fascination. Just give us a quick insight into into where that came from. For me, well, it all started really from the little Observer book of football that came out in I think seventy five, seventy six. Little tiny eight six size books. Um, when I was at school, it published inside one of the editions colour plates of all the shirts of the time, and it was the first time I'd seen football shirts represented in that way. And I think it was, you know, I often wonder about this. I think it was just the colours, the styles laid out in a certain fashion just hooked me and and ever since then that that's it so it's something i've developed as a, as a boy drawing in felt tip pens oh, right, right through to college art college making it part of my degree show project and then of course going on to writing for programs magazines and then the books so it's kind of been a natural oh, crikey, a lifelong obsession really has it wow that's uh, that's really cool and and it's not your your main job as, as such is it no, I'm, oh, if only it were, that would be fantastic. Um, no, I run a, a design company, graphic design, called The Design Practice in Maidstone in Kent. Um, that's my nine to five. That kind of takes up a huge amount of my time because it's 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 essentially me as the main kind of creative person. So it, it kind of thwarts me from doing more true colour stuff than I would like. But hopefully that balance will change a bit. Well, as this is an England podcast, let's cut to the chase. I'm assuming you've seen them. What is your take yeah. on the new England shirts? I th do you know what? The England shirts are more thought-provoking, I think, than any other kit designs that come out. I think there's an instant reaction, and then as you live with them, there's a different reaction, and then when you actually see them worn, there's another reaction. So initially, I thought, oh, okay. That's about, you know, mm, that's it, okay. Mm -hmm. The more you study them, you actually think, crikey, these are really quite beautiful. They're really well put together, really well constructed kits. Essentially, they're plain, simple designs, but it's a level of detail within them that kind of really makes them come alive. So I'm, I'm quite a fan, I must say. Okay, well, I mean, the the, the home shirt, um, it appears it's got the, the red trim just around the collar. Um, yeah. Obviously, it is, it is pure white in this case. We've, we've lost the... Um, the greyish come blue sleeves. It's an all white affair. Yeah. And there is um, the small detail of a, a St. George's cross on the reverse of the collar. Um, and I think on, as I say, I haven't actually seen it in the flesh yet. I've only seen the the pictures that Nike have, have revealed. Um, mm. Is it, it has a, um, I don't know what the official terminology is, but it has like a, a St. George's cross woven, into the the front of it is that how you see it yeah well there's there's two different because what what nike do they, they're using this essential their templates for all their kit designs so really the basic construction doesn't alter it's it's the actual fine detail that makes the difference so with the england home kit there is um 
a mesh kind of uh, what you call yeah mesh pattern a woven mesh pattern within the within the shirt fabric the sleeves have got this kind of um almost like thin lines going down this down this, the, the shoulders right. which you'll see on other nike shirts as well they're very very subtle and i believe there's like an england rose design on the front it's the away shirt that's actually got the st george's cross woven in into ah. the um that design the home one hasn't got that but the difficulty is if you look at the pre-release photos none of them are really showing this very very clearly so at this stage we haven't got a complete kind of like a uh, flat pan flat plan view of what that pattern is so we're kind of having to do a little bit of guesswork made up from the different promo shots that they've released so far so this is i guess where you go back to that instant reaction and it's just taken from a yes yeah. tiny little photo that that has been released and that's where people sort of gauge their opinion and, and then as you say people see shops or then on the pitch um and and as well obviously there there are differentials between a a, a shirt that i you could buy in the shirt in the shop um and those that the players would wear yeah there are some differences i'm not a huge expert in that you're better off talking to like a match worn shirt collector but i know that umbro especially when they released their 2009 the classic england shirt they put in lots of details that you could tell the difference even down to secret little things like interwoven in the placket and things like that but with the nike shirts you will see a dramatic um difference especially with the previous designs if you compared the the stadium version and the the players version compared the two of them they're actually very very different um so it'll be interesting to see what they do with the the player versions this time of course with nike it's all about performance the aesthetic of it is almost secondary to performance that's that's why we're seeing a lot of plainer designs at the moment oh i see that's interesting now you, you did mention umbro there um Obviously, Umbro were a previous shirt manufacturer for England, and England are now with with Nike or, or Nike, as you call it. Um, yeah, I don't remember what the correct. Um, it it is Nike. Yeah, it is really. Nike. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, should should England continue with Nike? Are are they a good are they a good match? Are they a good match? Um, I. I have a little, there's different differing views. I'm a firm believer. I like, I have a romantic ideal that every um, team should wear a kit manufactured by a company from their country, like the players, you know, yeah. but that's just, that would never happen. But that's just like a fun idea that I think that would be good, wouldn't it? But I think um, Nike have that power, that worldwide power. They've got a mission plan. They've got an agenda in terms of what they want to do with their international kits. So that's the way they're moving forward. I'm a massive Umbro fan. I always have been. I'm a, I make no secret of that. Um, every team I follow, I'd love to see an Umbro. But I think, you know, I know Nike get a lot of stick. They're getting a lot of stick from England fans at the moment and have done. But I think they're, they're producing there's some quality outfits there. And I think what they've done with this shirt, bringing with this kit, bringing back the traditional um, white, navy white kind of colorway, they've brought it right back to traditional again, which is which is what most people want, I think. I think you're right. Um, I mean, obviously, as new shirts tend to, it generates lots of conversation. Um, mm. And there were there were many comments on it. I mean, just this snapshot was taken from our Three Lions podcast Facebook page. Um, Ryan Power said um, zero out of 10 for imagination. Once again, um, he would like to see a more bonkers kit. Mm -hmm. Cameron Petrie said boring once again, um, whereas Andrew Rockall 
said on the other side of the fence, said that they are neat, understated and respectful to tradition. Um, so, I, again, it, they always seem to generate generate feedback and and conversation yeah well i think what you've got with most football fans you've got two you've got two kind of sides to the coin one is plain simple designs people don't want larry designs or they didn't i think the the, the, the fashion is changing again and in recent years we're starting to see more people saying hang on we don't want boring plain shirts we want patterns um you know bright colors bold designs so it's it's how fashion goes and it's whether the manufacturers follow that or whether they say, do you know what? No, we're sticking to our game plan. We're going to do what we want to do, what we feel is right. And they're not going to kind of react, knee jerk react to fans' opinions. Right. Well, uh, I think it's maybe safe to say that the shirt that has gathered the most attention is the warm up shirt, which I'm, I'm sure you've seen, <laughs> which was a, a nod to the 1982 shirt, um, which was uh, admiral um, yeah yeah i uh, off the top of my head it was blue with uh, across the, the top of the shoulders and red almost on the the, the upper chest area um, yeah and now nike have have taken their their twist on it um and had a a, a blue upper part of the the shirt with with red beneath and but put Sort of interwoven diamonds that the colour grades down. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a uh, an interesting um, thing for Nike to do. Well, in many respects, it kind of it, it kind of always reminds me almost of an Adidas shirt because obviously Adidas for the the World Cup this year are plundering their back catalogue of shirts for inspiration and they're they're reappropriating certain elements from past designs. It feels like a little bit of that, but I mean it's. I've got to be honest, but obviously, I'm, despite my accent, I'm a Scotland fan, so I look at England kits very um, objectively almost, or try to. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wonderful, that warm-up shirt. I do I really like it. Whether it would work as a, a kit, a, a match kit, I don't know, but it, it's, it's yeah, quite ex it's exquisite. It's really nice. It's very standard. I don't know. I... Yeah, and I, I try to imagine what would the teams look like, what would the, the players look like wearing that. Hmm, I don't know. I mean, I often wonder if that Admiral kit came out today, what people would think of it. I mean, it's, again, it's it's quite, you know, is it traditional? You know, there's lots of questions that come up about it. Yeah, I I think my personal take on it is with with the, the new um, release shirt, from what we've seen, and if I compare it to, to previous ones, I think I do prefer just a little bit more extra color detail or, mm. or just a little bit more detail uh, thinking back to the, um, the the famous 1990 shirt where it had the the darker collar and just the trim around the um, the end of the sleeves which i quite yeah. liked or thinking of the 2002 um uh, world cup shirt that just had the 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 red vertical line that just went down mm. one, one side mm. I just prefer a shirt just have something, um, just that little bit extra. But you unique uh, about it. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, as much as I kind of like the this warm up shirt, I think it's just a little bit too much. Mm. Um, whereas the <laughs> white shirt is just doesn't have enough for me. Um, I certainly don't have anything against it, um, but I'm. I guess I just maybe a, 
want to go somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I, do you know what? It's very interesting. I think you make a good point. I think you've got to judge a shirt as well by what, what came before it and almost then what comes after it. That's when you can sort of think, okay, how does that fit in with this kind of kit history? I've always said that a kit should be sufficiently different from the previous just to give a bit of value. Because obviously, you know, we're talking replica sales as well. And what Nike are doing, they're very much, as I said, they're focused on performance. So they're bringing in top performance sportswear. That's their priority. Replica sales, I, I don't know. I don't know how important it is to them. So, but for a replica buying public, I think you've got to give them something that's sufficiently different from the price kit. So the, the, the easiest way to do that is to have a self-coloured collar, like a non-contrasting collar and cuffs, or you change it. So straight away, there's a massive difference between the previous kit. And that's what Nike haven't done. The last three kits they've worked on have all been just virtually white with no navy collar or anything like that. So straight away, there's a, a first glance, you think, oh, it's kind of the same. You know, there's there's not enough to really differentiate it. But again, that's their agenda. They're working to a plan in terms of how they want their teams to their roster of teams to be to to, to look like okay that's, that's interesting um i mean think from might be a little bit controversial but from what i've seen um on um england supporters going to games um there, there seems to be a, a decline in the the nike shirts that are being worn oh really that's, that's probably just from my observations um, yeah sure i don't think or, or if people are turning up to matches they are wearing older retro umbro shirts um i think i think people maybe do have a, a preference for the older ones and but i do think with this warm-up shirt i think i have a hunch that a lot more people will be going out and and purchasing that yeah. and that will be seen on the um on the terraces on in the well, I mean, there's loads to consider there, Russell, I think. And with fans, certainly looking backwards, they'll go for teams, they'll go for shirts that, that sum up eras as well. I did a little bit of work with QPR last year um, on, on some kit stuff. And the guy there was saying that it doesn't, in many respects, it doesn't matter what the shirt looks like. It's, it's whether the team have success with it. That's what actually prompts replica sales. They do go up and down. If the team are doing really well, and they've captured the imagination of their supporters, then shirt sales will go up. So there's that to consider as well. And what you may have may have touched upon there is the fact that maybe a lot of England fans, this is going to sound controversial, aren't quite as in love with the team at the moment as perhaps they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. I don't know. There could I be something in that possibly. I think that's a, a fair point. Um, well, I, I could say, how how do Scotland shirts fare up at the moment? <laughs> well, ex exactly. Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't like to say. <laughs> wouldn't be silly any. Wouldn't be silly any possibly, but there you go. Well, well moving on um, slightly, I, I mean, the question I'm sure you get asked is all, all the time is, what is your favourite shirt? But I think that would be maybe a little bit too easy. Okay. Um, you, you've probably seen quite a lot of shirts forthcoming for the um the summer and the world cup are there any that maybe take your fancy um that you've seen oh yeah for me i think a lot of the added although i'm i'm in two minds i'm not sure about the retro looking shirts i like a shirt to be modern i think you acknowledge tradition but you make it contemporary that's kind of my unwritten rule in my head but i think the the belgium shirt is something else that Adidas have put out it it, it harks back to one of my favorite ever shirts 
that um, ever actually is the ones they did for Belgium um, just after the um, Admiral deal in the early 80s with the kind of Argyle diamond pattern across the front, which That's obviously right. reminded me of the England Walmart shirt. But I think what they've done with that is really, really strong. But all a lot of the kits look very good this year. They do look, there's some really, really strong designs and a definite feel, um, a definite aesthetic feel of kind of, you know, simplicity, strong designs, but a little bit of flair here and there. So it will be really interesting to see what Nike do with the rest of their roster when they're announced in March, I think, next month. Okay, so I mean, I guess, uh, I think France are with, with Nike as well, aren't they? I haven't yeah. seen anything from them yet. No, I think the shirts are leaked, so you can see stuff there, here and there on the web, but I don't, um, again, you, you mentioned before about when you, you see a shirt, and then I said about the stages of appreciation almost, um, and I think when you see a leaked shirt, it doesn't always, you don't always get the full oomph of it, if you know what I mean. So, but there's Portugal as well, uh, will be wearing Nike. USA, of course, aren't there, but they'll have a new design out, and Netherlands as well, who um, aren't there, I don't think. So, yeah, so I guess France and Portugal. Yeah, well, that, there was actually one that's just come to my mind um, that has caused quite a stir, was the Nigeria shirt again. Nike. Yeah, that's, I mean, again, you, you're looking back to some of their shirts from the 90s there, um, and I think the African shirts traditionally have always been brilliant. What Puma do with their African nations, uh, I think, is incredible. I love them. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how everyone else follows on. And, of course, there's controversy with the Spain shirt as well, with the colouring, oh, yes. um, you know, creating some political uh, unrest or or unease, should I say, rather than unrest. So there's always a bit of controversy, though, isn't there? That's what makes it interesting. Well, that's right, yeah. So it'll be a, an interesting... Um, well, a month really on the, uh, the football front and on the shirt front. So lots of stuff to look forward to come June time. Um, okay, yeah. Let's. You mentioned the book at the beginning. Um, you are you are the author of the the two true colours books of, of which I've got I've got the volume two here, which oh, um, obviously had the um, the national shirts of um, or home nation shirts. I should say where you, you concentrated on northern ireland or republic of ireland as well wales england and scotland um, and you mentioned that the the new book which you you gave us a, a sneaky tease to on your mm. twitter and facebook recently um is is about international kits am i correct yeah that's right it comes out in may this year may the 17th i think um 20 teams so it's looking at the kit histories and kind of true color style if you like um going back to 66 now. So we've gone back a little bit further. Um, and it's like, a, if you imagine the True Colours books, for those who know them, they're, they're four, rows of four shirts, you know, in, uh, in a sequence. This is now eight per page. So ah. there's, there's a massive, there's about, I think, I'll need to get the exact quantities, about between 1,300 and 1,400 kits in the book. Um, and it's the 20 greatest nations. So it's all the, all the big teams you can think of and expanded home nations as well. So we're bringing that story right up to date too. We even squeezed in the New England shirts. We just got there in deadline time. So oh, really? We just got them in. It was literally last minute. Oh, superb! So, how how much research and and time does it take to to produce something like this? Because just just looking at the the very beginning of True Colors two, this this came out in two thousand and six. Am I right? Yeah, so crikey! It's yeah. taken a long while. I'm sure you won't fully concentrated on, on <laughs> no. for this summer but that's 
that's quite some time yeah well crikey it's, it's a different story really um when the true colors books came out before and I've said this several times to people, there just wasn't the stuff online. There wasn't the research. It didn't exist. So it was mainly my research that I'd created, I'd saved over the years. So programs, books, even my own little drawings, you know, that I've made notes throughout the years. Now, of course, YouTube has been the revelation because you can, you can go from, um, you know, many of the great international sides, Netherlands, France, Spain, and you can, you can, you can determine exactly what shirt they wore in virtually every game from sort of like late seventies onwards. So that that's been a massive help, but it has been, it's been really difficult. It's been like, yeah, it's been a killer. It really <laughs> has. I can't tell you how hard it's been. Um, mainly cause you're dealing with, you're dealing with foreign sides. I mean, you know, if, if I'm trying to find out what Charlton wore, I, I can find out. But when you want to know what Uruguay wore, all of a sudden you've got a different problem and you're, you're talking different languages and, of course, getting permissions from the, the federations as well. I was going to say, did you have to contact for, there for Uruguay? Did you have to pick up the phone and say, Uruguay, can I, do I have yeah. the rights to use your images? Or yeah. <laughs> Literally that. I think there was one day in particular, and that's been the hardest part of the book, really. I mean, telling the story, and we're not saying, uh, this. you know what it's like, you, obviously you, you, you're a connoisseur of kits as well. You, it, It's going to be impossible to get every single shirt ever worn, because unless you've got a photo of every match, you can't do it. But what we've tried to do, what I've tried to do, is tell a story. So there'd be gaps, I'm sure there will. But you, you try and say, well, actually, do you know what? This is how they, the kits were worn. And if you if you find a one-off shirt, great, you get it in there. But it's it's incredibly difficult to to do that. But I think yeah, there was one day in particular where we were really struggling with getting permissions. And I think I found I found Russia, Denmark, Italy, Spain, and, and uh, somewhere else, Germany, I think it was. And I had to learn. Do you speak English? In, in every language so i had a, I had a phonetic russian spelling of do you speak english <laughs> and they said niet i thought ah oh, i know what that means i've seen enough james bond films to know that means no <laughs> so that was that was hard yeah that was difficult but we got there in the end yeah. <laughs> great stuff and so when when are we looking at this coming out uh, i think it's 17th of may oh. that's the that's the release date so it's all with the printers now um and it's, it's being printed worldwide. I think there's this, it's going to be out all over the world, I believe. And there'll be different language versions at some point too. So, but Bloomsbury who are publishing it have been so behind the project um, and True Colours in general. So yeah. hopefully there'll be more, but they've been, Ooh. they've been so positive. He's, you know, the guy there, Matt, my commissioning editor has been fantastic. So it's, he's been so supportive through the project, you know. And it, will it be available on a um, on a, a download sort of basis? Yeah, there's an ebook as well. Um, right. So it's yeah, it's hardback, uh, two ten millimeter square. So that's a nice big square book, two hundred and forty mm -hmm. pages, and there'll be an e version as well. So hopefully, it will it will, you know people will like it and get something from it. I hope that's you oh, know. I'm sure very much. Um, I mean, and where where can people? purchases from other than probably a, a bookstore near you yeah it'll be i i'm not selling copies myself but it'll be you know the usual places amazon and um, bloomsbury website do it as well it's retailing for 20 pounds so um and hopefully bookshops yeah i'm, I'm hoping because of course by then we'll all be gagging for the world cup won't we um, of course. In, 
in theory. So, well, even I will be, even though Scotland aren't there. I, I can't wait. <laughs> oh, great stuff. A, a real labour of love. And I and, uh, wish you well with it. I have, Thank you. Appreciate I have um, sort of left a, a few web pages open around the house um, just to sort of drop a few subtle hints <laughs> right, um, okay. to, to my wife to say, mm, yeah, I quite like this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my birthday's around that, that time. Mm. Um, oh, great, John. That has been, been really, really great to have you on board. Oh, no, thank you. Should anyone want to, to get in touch with you, um, if you're open to that, if there's any, yeah. any ways they can, can get in touch? Um, Twitter's the main thing for me at the minute. I mean, that's really um, the best way, which is True Colours Kits. Unfortunately, the, the book's taken up so much of my time in the last year I've, I've kind of not done as much on social media as i would have have done in the past but that's purely because running the business and doing the book has has been full on it really has but hopefully there'll be more coming from me on there that's the plan and john at true colors footballkits.com drop me a line if anyone wants to talk kits with me so no problem that sounds great and once again john thank you very much for uh no, thank you for being part of the podcast been a real pleasure thanks russell thank you bye-bye bye, -bye. bye. In this podcast, and hopefully going forward, I've decided to take a look back on previous England matches. I've decided to start with a match played 20 years ago, where there is some symmetry. In this case, we play the same nation in our opening World Cup match. Let's go back to the 15th of June 1998, where Tunisia were our first opponents. Like they'll be this year in Russia, but rather than Volgograd, it was the hot midday sun of Marseille. That wasn't a match that I went to, but I do remember where I was. Uh, I'd taken a, a Monday off work with the sole intention of watching it in the pub with my friends with some beers. I remember there was lots of cheering as the team emerged from the tunnel. It was an underground tunnel, if I remember correctly, at the corner of the Stad Velodrome. And this was the first time, remember, since 1990 that England had played a World Cup match. So anticipation was quite high. And following on from Euro 1996, people were optimistic of progressing throughout the tournament. Especially given the group that we'd been drawn in. One that featured Romania and Colombia. Now, it was played against the backdrop of trouble that had occurred between England and Tunisian locals in the port area of Marseille, which after recently interviewing Graham Lasseau, he said that the team were fully aware of the trouble going on. Although thankfully it didn't affect the team as they opened the campaign with a win. Now the starting lineup that day was as follows. We had David Seaman in goal. Three centre-backs, Sol Campbell, Gareth Southgate and Tony Adams. Right wing-back was Darren Anderson. Left wing-back, Graham Lasseau. Centre midfield pairing of Paul Ince and David Batty. Attacking midfielder, Paul Scholes. And two centre-forwards, Teddy Sheringham and Alan Shearer, of course known as the SAS. Now, in fact, the opposition, Tunisia, their coach, Henrik Kasparakas, was in fact a member of the Polish team that prevented England reaching the 1974 World Cup Finals back in October 1973. Now the match started and all of a sudden all the fury about Paul Gascoigne's omission was forgotten. But it was the North Africans who had the better start, giving England an early scare when Sol Campbell had to sprint back to clear after a mistake by Tony Adams. They then went on to have the better of the first half hour but England fought back and after some prolonged pressure, 
Free kick was one on the right-hand side and Alan Shearer headed home from Grand Lasso's cross three minutes before the break. It's well taken and it's in! Do I have to tell you the scorer? Alan Shearer, who else? England lead, two minutes from half-time. The second half saw England continue where they left off. Opportunities from Sheringham, Shearer and Anderton all went close. But it was Manchester United's Paul Scholes, moments from the end, with a spectacular effort just from the edge of the D of the 18-yard box, which saw England run out 2-0 winners and get their campaign off to a winning start. Hints, first touch, second was brilliant. This is Scholes. Still Scholes! Oh, that's a wonderful goal! Curl on the ball from outside the line of the post and beating the goalkeeper comfortably in the end. After the game, manager Glenn Hoddle, in charge of his first World Cup game, was quoted as saying, Alan Shearer's reputation goes before him. Today he had a limited amount of chances and this is what a world striker can do. He can take one chance out of nothing. And young Paul Scholes is showing a lot of maturity. He's got good talent and today he felt at home out there. I looked at a young man playing his natural game under those circumstances and that's good to see. So there we have it. I think we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you to John Devlin for joining me. And I'd also like to thank the people that I've lent on for advice and tips on how to do this podcast. Uh, You've all been great and it's been very much appreciated. You know who you are. Don't forget, you can find us on Facebook where we have a community there. Feel free to post and chat. We're also on Twitter. Search at 3LionsPodcast. And you can use the hashtag hashtag a three lions podcast and finally if you've enjoyed what you've just listened to then please do leave me a review on itunes just takes a couple of clicks so please join me next time uh, when i plan to record when the next squad is released we'll dissect that and we'll preview holland away and italy at home i'll catch you then bye bye